No Kawhi trade yet, but he will be playing for Pop one more time. And the Kings and Grizzlies made a trade today. Not very exciting, but is Memphis trying to get into the playoffs? And we play free agent. We pick our favorite cities coming up next on the Locked On NBA podcast. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to the Locked On NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us as the... NBA offseason starts to wind down. There are still some things kind of hanging out there, some some names on the free agent market uh, still to be signed. So a little bit left to do, but really right now we're starting to get into the last couple of weeks. People are going to start going on vacations. They were entering the dead period. So we are preparing for that, but still lots to talk about with me and Jake. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm John Corrales, co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You can find my written work on RedsArmy.com and Boston.com and find me on Twitter, RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, potential member of the media, all-around Pelicans insider, and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Let's get into the big story, which is going to be Kawhi Leonard until Kawhi Leonard gets traded, unless some crazy thing comes along and somehow knocks it off the top of the the rung. But uh, we are waiting for what the Spurs are going to do with Kawhi. There are rumors that he is being uh, discussed with the Raptors. The Raptors are being characterized as the front runners, but no Real movement there yet. In the meantime, Team USA is about to hold its minicamp. Greg Popovich is the coach of Team USA, and Kawhi Leonard is a member of Team USA. And there is a report by Ramona Shelburne and Adrian Wojnarowski of the ESPN that that says Kawhi Leonard is seriously considering taking part in the minicamp in Las Vegas next week. So my question to you, Jake, is this an opportunity, the last-ditch effort for Greg Popovich to finally get Kawhi Leonard alone somewhere where he can talk to him without his uncle, without any outside forces to say, hey, let's let's talk about San Antonio one more time. Yeah, you know, it, it likely is. Look, it sounds like it, Kawhi really, truly does want out of there. As far as we know, there are all reports and rumors and things like that, but there's a whole hell of a lot of smoke in, in this whole thing, so you have to figure there's just a raging fire somewhere. And if you're the rest of the league, you know, I'd be a little bit nervous if I were looking to maybe try and t- uh, trade for Kawhi or to sign him as a free agent after next year. He's going to be spending more time with Popovich, and if Popovich does get him one-on-one and manages to sell him on staying and being committed to the Spurs. We saw him get in a room with LaMarcus Aldridge, what, two years ago now, a year ago, and basically turn that around from a a trade request to Aldridge having one of his better seasons as a pro and his best season in San Antonio. So if I'm another team, this might scare me a little bit because I think that's the last thing you almost want is, is Popovich doing it. And the big thing that maybe happened that jumps out to me is, you know, with all of these players there and Kawhi being around and watching just everyone respect Popovich and now Tony Parker's gone and isn't going to have his quotes taken out of context in the media that make it look like you're trashing you and things like that. And seeing the respect shown from Popovich, maybe that has kind of an effect on him as well. Yeah, Parker not being there might be something that 
kind of changes the game. Maybe if he feels disrespected by that. And, and just as an aside, watching that clip of Tony Parker, people are way overblowing that. I don't know if I've said it here. I've said it other places. Maybe that was no way in no way to me, a shot at Kawhi Leonard, but people either Kawhi or people in Kawhi's camp may have interpreted it as such. And now Tony Parker is gone. So that is a good point. I think that may play into it. At the very least, you have Pop and Kawhi sitting next to each other. If the Spurs are ever, ever, ever going to get any sort of leverage in any kind of trade talk, it's going to be now. If the Spurs can at least make it seem like Popovich and Kawhi are getting along, if there's any sort of video of them laughing and talking to one another, and any kind of report can get out into the ether that says, hey, what? Well, maybe there's progress here, that might be the thing that gets the Lakers to say, whoa, 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 here's Brandon Ingram, let's go, take him, take him, let's go. You know, that could be the the one thing, because as of right now, the way the, the Lakers have set themselves up is that they can just wait for uh, Kawhi to walk from whatever situation he's in and walk right into their cap space. But That's dangerous, though. We've seen that now. So that's – you're right, though. They are set up to do that. That's probably their plan, and – if the Spurs want to get maximum value from Kawhi and he's intent on being traded, you've got to kind of maybe make this look, as you said, as happy as possible. Is there anyone you trust more in this situation than Popovich? No, not at all. Like, I mean, not at all, right? Pop is, like, I, I'm just a flat out Greg Popovich fan. I just, I love basically everything about the guy. And I don't know him personally, but I just have seen enough of his interactions with people. I've seen, I know that some people look at the way he, uh, conducts his in-game mid-quarter, quarter break interviews, and they don't like that. That's fine. But I've seen the way Popovich talks to people. I see, I've seen the way Popovich talks about people. I've seen the things that concern him. I, I just, I'm a big, big Popovich fan. If, if he can sit down, if he can find moments to talk to Kawhi and, and maybe it's not just a convincing, a begging or pleading of Kawhi to come back. Maybe it's just a few days of talking, coaching, being in that situation and just treating Kawhi like an adult and kind of reminding him that this is what you get when you play for me. That may be enough to kind of at least grease the skids and get a little bit of a conversation going. Obviously, I think San Antonio's prime objective here would be to get Pop to convince uh, Kawhi to come back. But at least, at the very least, they can trust Pop to at least make it look like Kawhi may consider coming back. So I think you just nailed it. I don't think this is a situation where you need Pop putting a huge sell on him, let's say, and it's more just treat him as an adult, 
treat him with respect and kind of just let the past be the past and try and see if you can start with a clean slate and move forward with him. Because if he wanted to be sold on this team and wanted all of that, this would have occurred by now. They would have had a one-on-one where they, you know, where you do the presentation and you break out all the cards and his favorite candy and all of that <laughs> and try and, and try and get him to return. If he wanted that, he would have done it, but he's purposely not been having these meetings or being engaged with the team because he doesn't want that but he wants to play basketball I would assume he wants to win and he just wants to be in a good situation so if you're Popovich you have a chance to create all of that here and I think that's at least as someone who you know worked in a different industry and managed a number of people so maybe this kind of carries over I don't know you know that's the approach I would take with it with just okay I've had a bad situation maybe if we just show him how good things can be and you don't really put the hard sell on him that might be enough you know, this kind of reminds me of like the classic movie scene, like the the rom com, where two exes somehow find themselves in a situation where they're together and have to work through something, and then eventually they start laughing and they go, "Didn't we used to have fun?" And then the conversation starts and they end up getting back together. Like that's kind of like the movie type yeah, I scenario. Think that is like exactly it, right? Like this is not a stand on your car with a boombox over your head moment. This is just <laughs> yeah, things things were pretty good and we really truly loved each other. Yeah. And so uh again, if if Popovich can can get some of that magic back, then then great. I think again, the Spurs goal if the best case scenario would be, hey man, you know, these, we've had some great times. Hey, by the way, there's a supermax contract right here waiting for you if you want it. Uh, that would be amazing. And I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for that. I want that competitive balance. I love San Antonio and I want San Antonio to stay good. I think San Antonio being good helps that Western Conference competitive balance because it scares the hell out of Golden State. And these other teams, and it's just one other obstacle for teams in the West to have to deal with. So it's not a foregone conclusion with the, uh, with the Warriors. But again, this is, this is at the very least San Antonio's last chance at squeezing out any sort of leverage and squeezing out a kind of, uh, decent trade package out of the Lakers. I just, if you see, if you start seeing a few pieces of video of Kawhi and Pop kind of laughing or joking or you whatever, buddy, buddy, that might be enough for Magic Johnson to say, oh crap, here we go. So pay attention to this situation. You can listen to Locked On Spurs or Locked On Lakers for the two different perspectives here. Locked On Spurs will be watching this very, very closely. So if you want to keep up with the Kawhi Leonard situation, go check out Locked On Spurs. If you want the Lakers perspective, just to see if they're sweating and and whether they start saying, let's make a deal, 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 then check out Locked On Lakers. There's a Locked On team podcast for every team in the NBA, so be sure to check them out. We had a trade today, Jake, in the NBA, an earth-shattering Trade between the Sacramento Kings and the Memphis Grizzlies. Garrett Temple going to Memphis. Ben McLemore hilariously going Go back. back to the Kings. Hilarious. Daytona Davis and about a, a million and a half bucks in cash back to the Kings. Uh, and that is not exactly an earth-shaking trade. From the Kings' perspective, it gives them just about an extra million dollars in cap space. So we'll see. We'll see if they 
decide to throw uh, any of that money at maybe one of the current restricted free agents out there, Marcus Smart, uh, Clint Capella, one of those guys. But while that's brewing, we have the Memphis Grizzlies apparently sort of trying to kind of go for it. They're, they're looking to, they're not going to sit there and tank. They're not trying to just kind of go for a draft, draft pick. Nope. They, they are, they've got veterans coming back. They've got young players. They've got now Temple to kind of boost their rotation. Is this, in your opinion, Jake, a, a good move by the Grizzlies or what? So, this, this is a, so uh, this is a weird one. And yeah, it's a good move if you're tra- trying to compete. Let's not pretend that Garrett Temple just swung the NBA finals or anything, or all of a sudden we just had a paradigm shift here. But if you're the Grizzlies and you want to stay competitive, then yeah, I like Garrett Temple. He's a fine wing. Um, always root for Louisiana guys here too. So that's kind of cool. So it's nice. It's a good move. It solidifies the rotation a little bit more. They're going to kind of get some guys back from injury and they're going to make a run at it, but they're not winning a title. They're not going to come close to probably getting out of the first round of the playoffs. So it comes down to whether you, if it's like the Ricky Bobby thing, we're going to have so many references in this in today's <laughs> podcast where it's, you know, if, if you believe in the, if you're not first, you're last, or you're not in the NBA finals, you're last, then why are they doing this? And maybe you should be tanking and trying to blow up this Grizzlies team. But if you don't believe that and you kind of love their grit and grind area, just getting to the second round of the playoffs every year. Yeah. I like this for him. Cause why not? You know, I, it's so it kind of just depends on your view of the NBA. And if you think it's over before it starts, or if you're still going to enjoy the season. Well, yeah, look, there's value in, in enjoying the season and making your run. And from the Memphis people that I talk to, there, there is, they definitely take some pleasure in having a, a playoff caliber team. And I guess for some, some of the fans, it's, I'd rather have a playoff team than have a crappy team. Um, and look, I, I don't, I don't like the championship or bust mentality that some fans have because I think it does rob people of some enjoyment of what the season can bring. But at the same time, I'm also looking at your ability to build a long-term playoff uh, contender. And, and I'm not so sure that Memphis is doing the right thing by going for it. And one of the things that, that bugs me, from a Memphis perspective, but from a Boston perspective, everybody knows that I'm the Boston guy. I'm kind of happy about this. The Celtics have the Memphis pick in 2019, and it's top eight protected. So if Memphis is going for it and they just miss the playoffs, or if they are in the playoffs, there's a very high likelihood that that can convey, which means that these moves that Memphis is making could cost them a draft pick next season. And it could cost them an opportunity to add another young rotation player on the cheap, a guy that can help in the long term. And, and I just don't think from a team building perspective, that's particularly smart. Uh, I know what, I know what their kind of overall motivation is. I think because of the way this draft is, is, Stacked, but the, the way this is protected, they might just be better off being bad again. Yeah, 
honestly, they probably are. Yes. I, long term, what you said, building a long term contender, 100%. I don't think there's a doubt in it. I think they've got an owner in Para who just bought out the other owners to the tune of $500 million and maybe wants to try and start recouping some of that. They're certainly not going to make $500 million in one season. Um, but having another, you know, non-playoff year where they ranked kind of towards the middle end of attendance really got to them. You, you know, this is a team that made the playoffs seven straight years uh, before last season and had three 50-win seasons. So it's tough to call them a failure. And I think maybe they're trying to hold on to kind of that past a little too much. And last season, yes, maybe was a bit of an aberration where you're still without um, Gasol and Conley for most of the year. But also if those guys come back, this isn't the grit and grind team of old. This is not Tony Allen and Zebo there as well playing kind of at their peaks. You've got two more aging type of players on now maybe bad-ish contracts. And if you kind of combine them with the young guys, that's probably still not enough to get you into the playoffs. If you look at the top eight in the Western Conference, even healthy, I don't see this Grizzlies team necessarily getting ahead of them, even with Garrett Temple. Yeah, no, I, look, Garrett Temple doesn't swing anything. Um, the para thing is, I think, the most important point that, that you can make, and I, I think it's important that you bring that up. Para is a Mark Gasol guy. They got rid of Fisdale last year. That's a very good point, the, too. In the power struggle between Gasol and Fisdale because of Para. When Para made that purchase, when he, look, the other owners tried to take over. They triggered something that I don't think they figured Para could cover. And he covered their, their bet. So they ultimately got paid a lot of money. So it was really a no lose situation, but what they did is lose the team and Para now takes full control. And when Mark Gasol didn't get traded and Para t- takes over the team, you had to see this coming that they wouldn't go ahead. Para wasn't trading Gasol this summer. Para feels like he owes Gasol probably feels like he owes Gasol an opportunity to go and contend for the playoffs again. So that is, I think, what is driving this whole thing. And, again, look, Memphis fans are going to have an interesting team, and and I don't know if Memphis can indeed compete for that eighth spot, but they probably won't be a 22-win team again. They're going to be worse teams, and uh, I, I just – It'll be fun for Grizzlies fans to some degree, but it'll also be frustrating because I still don't think this puts them into the playoffs. Yeah, it's like uh, it'll be fun in the short term and maybe worse long term for them. And those are things you have to weigh. And as an owner, clearly they weighed them. They know what they're trying to do here. So we'll see what happens. Um, but again, I just don't think long term it's going to work out that well for them. Yep. So I think I think we're in agreement here. Memphis is kind of. It's not the kind of team building I would do if I was in control, but that's their choice, and we'll see how that works out. But again, it probably will cost them that first round pick, and I will just point out that the Celtics now, the Celtics have in next year's draft, Sacramento's pick if it's not the number one overall pick. So whatever Sacramento does, if they finish with two or whatever, but past that, Boston gets that. Boston gets Memphis's pick if it's nine or better. They get the uh, Clippers pick if it's 15 or better, and then they have their own pick. So this this move right here by Memphis has a ripple effect in the NBA 
because the Celtics now get a step closer to having four first round picks in next year's draft. So can I, can I mention one thing here, which I find kind of hilarious? What? It, it's that the Kings are clearing cap space to sign nobody that wants to play there whatsoever. No, no, they did this all. like two or three years ago where they were clearing space to sign people and no one went to play there. I don't it just we don't need to dive into it because they're you know, they're canging hard here, but don't get it all and just wild to me. The only thing they could do, I think, when you're a team like Sacramento, is you clear enough space to take a big contract into that space in yeah. a trade. Like you, you you have to have an unbalanced trade or something like that where you can take a big contract into your cap space because the only way you're going to get somebody there, and you got to hope that by trading for them you can convince them to stay there, which. Good luck, Sacramento. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. But they're they're an interesting group, and, and like we've been saying, like I said at the top of the segment, they have now about to, just under twenty million dollars to throw at one of these restricted free agents if they want to do it. Some portion of that twenty million dollars could go to one of those guys. So we'll see. They they are basically the last hope for an offer sheet for any of these restricted people uh, still on the market. And we'll have to see in the coming days whether they use that for that or if they try to become a salary dump and acquire assets from Oklahoma City and some sort of Carmelo Anthony deal. We'll, we'll see how that all pans out. In the meantime, subscribe to this podcast, Locked On NBA, for a daily dose of what's happening in the league. Every move that is of any significance will be discussed. We'll talk about all that stuff. And whenever a big thing happens, we'll have it here for you. So subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. Okay, Jake, we're going to play a little game here about free agents. We keep talking about free agents and we're going to have a little fun with it. And it comes courtesy of Oliver Maroney on Twitter at NBA, who tweeted out a fun question on uh, Tuesday night. If you were a free agent and you were ranking your top five choices of city to play in, what would they be? So I I will give you the honor. Let, let's kind of – we can ping pong or if you want or if you want to just name your, your first few. Like should we just eliminate our home our home yeah, cities? Yeah, because, because like – Obviously that, Boston's my number one choice. And Yeah, and look, I, I'm from Los Angeles. My last job wanted me to relocate to New York City, and I was like, no way. I'm staying here. So I think we got to eliminate our own cities here. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, obviously I wanted to play for the Celtics. You'd love to play for the Pelicans. But let's pretend that – for some reason, we are those cities don't exist, and we are going to uh, pick our own. What, what's your top choice? So, uh, to clarify just a little bit here, is this cities we want to play in, or is it teams we might want to play for? Are we looking at it at that mindset? Because I can rank I think, some cities here. I think we can we can do a little bit of both. You know. Okay. Uh, so, so I'll I'll start. My number one is San Antonio. Uh, I've been to San Antonio. San Antonio's fine. It's not a big metropolitan city. It's not, you know, teeming with nightlife. But I, I think from a basketball perspective, I just want to play for Greg Popovich. If I'm, if Boston's out and I can't play for Brad Stevens, I want to play for Greg Popovich because I'm, I'm well past my playing days and I still want to run through a wall when I hear Pop talk. So, uh, I'm very happy to play for Pop. Um, and so that's that's a very basketball decision. And, and you know, at the same time, 
some of these big cities, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Chicago, like Chicago in the winter, eh. You know, LA and New York, a lot of distractions. Like it's fun to be there, but I want to focus on basketball. So uh, San Antonio is my top choice. Okay. So I, I, I'm doing this on the fly here and they might, I'll be honest. They might not even make my top five, but I'll explain why maybe towards the end. Maybe they get in there. I'm not sure. I think my number one choice, I'm going to say the, the Lakers and Los Angeles, but we'll just say Los Angeles here. One being from there, but also I, I've learned talking with players, talking with coaches, talking with agents. They want nightlife. They kind of want that big market, that big city to kind of be the star. Now you'd be able to go out there, play alongside LeBron, so you're going to be able to win. That does wonders. I think that's a huge draw for them going forward, and I I get the appeal. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I can see. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not factoring necessarily uh, the opportunity to win right away. I'm not I'm not picking the, the Warriors. Like I'm not going to Golden State, uh, but I can see. Like I physically in my DNA cannot pick the Lakers at all because being a Boston guy, you get yeah, fired from Locked On Celtics oh, if that yeah, happens. Absolutely, absolutely, I'd fire myself. So I can't possibly, <laughs> I can't possibly. Uh, so, but I, I can see the appeal. I can totally see the appeal. Uh, I've never been to Los Angeles, so I'll have to take your word for it. But New York City is awesome. Nightlife in New York City. I'd be afraid to be a basketball player in New York City. As great as it is, like uh, there's just too much other stuff to do. And if you're not headstrong, if you're not focused completely on basketball, if you have any little bit of the "Hey, it's a night off, let me go part," like you can go get wild. That's why J.R. Smith has some problems in New York City, and he's better off in Cleveland because there's just not as much to do in Cleveland. So. Uh, I, I can see I can see the appeal for those big cities, but it's not necessarily my cup of tea. My second choice is Dallas, actually, because I feel like getting spoiled by Mark Cuban would be awesome. Like their locker room would be great, their facilities are amazing, and Dallas is a, a fun city. I've been to Dallas. It's 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 a nice city. I, I could see myself living there and, and playing for Cuban, as crazy as he might seem for everybody else. I think playing for him and having an owner so dedicated to your team, I think that would be cool. Uh I get it. They're on my list too. But number two, I've got Miami, which I think we all know reasons why. We are going to have so much fun there, John. When you come and visit me, we're going to go party on my boat. We're going to be partying in South Beach. One day they will get rid of all of these six-man contracts and free up some space, and we'll be able to play more winning basketball too. I believe in Pat Riley. I think it's going to be a lot of fun there. See, again, Boston DNA. I can't play for Pat Riley because of the old 80s Lakers-Celtics rivalry. So I'll come visit when my third choice, Denver, is in town, uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm not really gonna go for Miami. I like Denver. I think Denver is a great city. Denver is an up and coming city. It's, it's awesome. Uh, it's, it, aside from, uh, you know, all of the, the new developments and everything, it's just, it's great. Uh, and I think, uh, being in that mile high gives a little bit of advantage basketball wise. And if they can get their act together, Denver's got a great core and we can win. Uh, I know the fans don't have, uh, some of the casual fans don't have a great reputation, but the, the basketball fans in Denver are awesome. And Denver is an amazing city. I would totally play in Denver. 
Yeah, so they're actually on my list too. But number three is still got to be New York. Again, if we're approaching it from like a player's perspective, nightlife is there. That's definitely a big thing. That's a huge draw. And if you manage to win there and win in the garden, I mean, you're basically going down as a hero. And the chance to do that, write my own legend here. Come on, we're going to have some fun. Totally, totally. I get it. Uh, my fourth choice is Indiana because Indiana is a basketball Mecca and and just to be in the land of basketball in the land of Larry Bird uh would be uh, amazing and I think when you're a, a basketball legend in Indiana it just has a little extra kind of something special to it yeah that's a, that's a, so that's I think like the first real to me unconventional pick but I get it and there's a pretty rabid fan base and also smartly run organizations are a real appealing thing right now I think but still, we gotta have some fun. I actually got Denver in this spot now though. Think about it. The NBA is eventually gonna just get rid of, uh, allow weed and all those problems. You sure. get to go to a state where this is already allowed and let's not pretend like, I don't do it. I just, I just drink a bunch, but you know, <laughs> so, so, some people do and that's gotta be a huge draw for all of that. And so honest to God, I think, you know, when that happens, I wonder if that's going to be a bit of like a paradigm shift in the NBA. I really do feel like because look, Massachusetts is legalizing marijuana, uh, New York. I mean, there's there's medicinal marijuana in New York, but the New York state legislature has uh, was it? I think it's the state legislature. Some some state entity just recommended legalization. New Jersey, like all of these, there, there's got to be a uh, a change in policy because a lot of these cities are allowing for legalized recreational marijuana use. And it's hard to bust somebody for using something legal. Otherwise, you're going to have to alcohol test, and that's not going to go well in the NBA. So <laughs> that's not going to go well for anybody. So uh, I agree with you there. Okay, my fifth choice, I think you'll agree with me on this one, is New Orleans. New Orleans is one of my favorite cities ever. Uh, you know, if, if I can't live in Boston, I'd be more than happy to live in New Orleans. It's got just enough of that nightlife for me where I can chill on an off night and go somewhere where I can have a drink and listen to some live music. I love, love, love the vibe in New Orleans. It is exactly my speed and I'd be more than happy not only to just play with Anthony Davis, but to to live in a city like New Orleans would be super super cool. I could totally see see myself there. So yeah, I I, I dig it. Uh, <laughs> largely agree. I will tell you though, talking with players and other people for what they're looking for, which is I would assume a more clubby kind of atmosphere, doesn't quite like meet what NFL players and NBA players want. Is at least what I've been told from people who played here. But it's it fits you. This place really does fit you. Lastly, I'm gonna pick Houston. Uh, you know, this is kind of a toss up between. Any of the Texas teams, I think. But Houston with a new owner who still seems like he wants to spend, a smart GM, a big city where you're kind of the star of a lot of things out there, I think is a really big draw. And obviously playing with Harden is uh, a big thing there too. Reason, So I want to say this. Reason I'm not throwing San Antonio on there, which I think kind of goes against all conventional wisdom and thinking, is I'm a little worried about Popovich retiring in a year or two. Say Kawhi does leave and he kind of sees the right end on the wall. Maybe he doesn't come 
coach more than two more years. That's going to kind of concern me as someone looking to go to that team because their identity is so built around him and that Spurs way and that Spurs method in their process. But I wonder how much of that is going to leave when he's not there. And, yes, I trust them to pick their next head coach, but it's still not going to be Popovich. Well, you know, I think it'd be uh, that that's a fair concern. Uh, I I would anticipate that they would like that that, that um, culture is is set in stone, and Pop is definitely at the head of it. But the people behind him, I think, would be very good. Uh, it it may well be Becky Hammond that follows him, and I, I think that would be interesting. And I think that's somebody. I think that'd be awesome. You know, I I would totally be comfortable playing there if Becky Hammond was the coach. Uh, by all accounts, I think she's. She's doing very well, and, and look, Pop's not going to put somebody as his lead assistant without uh, that person being really good. Look, she is going to become, I think this coming season, she is going to become the first woman to coach an NBA game because there's guaranteed that Pop won't coach all 82 games. There's going to be something that, that takes him away. There's been something that's taken him away, and he may come down with a, air quotes, illness just so Becky Hammond can be the the first woman to coach an NBA game uh, this season. I'm I'm if I had to put a bet on anything, I will guarantee it that at some point this season, Becky Hammond will be the head coach of the Spurs in 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 uh, Popovich's absence. So that'll be interesting to see. I kind of like that. Like I almost wish you could get odds on that on like a site, and because I I get it. Yeah, I I, I totally dig that one. All right. Well, let's see. We'll see if that happens. I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that that's going to happen. All right. Good show. I love that last topic. We, we're going to, we're going to do more of those types of things as the season pro- off season progresses, because we're going to have to have something to talk about, and and we still <laughs> want to talk about NBA basketball in some in some form or fashion. But look, like I said before, there's a lot still hanging out there. The Kawhi saga is going to continue. Some big-name restricted free agents still need to be signed. And the Locked On NBA podcast will be here to cover it all for you. So subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you give the podcast a five-star rating and a good review. One more time, I am John Corrales, Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I am the co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. And I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans, and you can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. All right, that's the show. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. Our big boss, David Locke, has got the Lockdown NBA podcast tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. This is Lockdown NBA here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.